Today we bask in the light of mustachioed greatness. I learned so much last episode about the legendary Edward James Olmos. And guess what? The celebration continues. <laughs> the podcastio is taking a look at the first Miami Vice episode I ever saw, which was season one, episode 20, titled Nobody Lives Forever. Like in most Miami Vice episodes, we get a lot of Edward James almost death stares. Um, it's fantastic. And of course, you get all the good music that you always get with Miami Vice episodes. So move over, Luigi. We got the OG death stare extraordinaire in the driver's seat. <laughs> now play that shit theme song. It's the Mustachio Podcast, you we're ready for the show. We'll watch moves, we'll make some jokes, and then we'll all go home. Navigating the legendary hairy upper lips, it's the Mustachio Podcast, you. What is up, everybody? This is the Mustachioed Podcastio, and I am your host, Daniel Segura. And today, um, I, I kind of think this is like a supplemental episode to um, to an episode that I'm hoping came out just before this one, um, honoring the great Edward James Olmos. We'll see. I got a lot going on. I'm hoping I can get it out in time. But either way, this is a, a an opportunity to kind of recognize Edward James almost for his work that put him on the, I think put him in the spotlight, really uh, definitely showed him off to everybody, you know, uh, in the world. Like this guy went to a whole other level thanks to the show Miami Vice. And uh, I'm, I brought on who I think is a pretty um, dependable, uh, <laughs> He's he he's done the work. He's put in the hours. Everybody, this guy knows his shit. His name, his name, is Charlie, and y'all know him from that episode that we had called the Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man movie. Which <laughs> Welcome to this guy. It's also has got Don Johnson in it which too. Also has, that's why it's so fitting. Welcome to the show, Charlie. Dude, thanks for coming back, man. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I am. I am. so in this also this episode also has got another person from Harley Davidson yes. and the Marlboro Man in it. This yes, is, it yeah. does. We're a twofer right here on this one. This felt meant to be. Like as I was watching the episode, I was like, oh yeah, we should have talked about this anyway. Like this has a lot of connections to the movie you were on for the show. And also kind of the same energy to me. I, this is actually one of those. Uh, so I I will tell you, Charlie, that I never watched Miami Vice. It was a show that I thought I would like, but I just missed it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're I think you're younger than me, but we're definitely at the age where we weren't going to be watching these as new episodes. We would have been way too young or not born yet. Yeah. And yeah. So you would have had to go back and watch all of this. And I just never did. Even though I wanted to, I could never find it easily. It was never like on Netflix or it wasn't on some streaming service or anything like that. And yeah, uh, yeah and I never ran into it like as a DVD collection or anything like that. So it wasn't until recently um, 
like I always liked the fashion and the style and I, I liked the look of it and it wasn't until recent where I got stars and if y'all ever want to see all of the Miami Vice episodes they're all up for streaming on stars and it's not that expensive to have it you know the subscription service mm-hmm. is pretty cheap or I think uh, the NBC app which last time I checked was still free on my phone you mm-hmm. can watch it and there's a shitload of commercials so okay like, so if you yeah. want to watch if you don't mind commercials yeah that'd probably be a more affordable option <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah no i so i've started watching but here's here's the thing charlie so the reason uh, it's i'm trying to remember the reason i ever watched miami vice was because of this band called red seven and uh, they have a song in manhunter which was yes. also directed by michael mann and I wanted I was I looked up the band because I was like man I love this song and I downloaded the song and I that's kind of in one of my playlists I think it's like in one of my um kind of just chill playlists I also have it so I have a playlist just for massages because I used to get massages I used to back before COVID I used to get massages in my apartment and oh, she would did come you o- know? yeah she would come over and give you the massage oh. and I had a playlist just for the massage okay you weren't doing massages for like 20 25 here and there you were actually paying someone to give you a legitimate massage. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You were like, can you just jerk me off to this Miami Vice tape? Thank oh, you. Oh, it was impossible. She would destroy me. I was usually just kind of trying not to cry. Uh, <laughs> unless you're into pain, then you would have been fine. But I'm yeah. not. So I was like, oh, God. But uh, <laughs> I would. I had Red 7, and she even noticed it one time. She was like, wow, this is a dope song. I've never heard this before. And then I found out that this song is in a miami vice episode so the first episode i ever saw of miami vice and i knew it was stupid i'm like why am i watching it in the middle of the thing but i figured this wasn't a show that was gonna have too much like interwoven narrative uh, for the most part every episode was gonna be its own story so i watched episode 20 and mm-hmm. that is what we're talking about it's called nobody lives forever this is the first miami vice episode i ever saw and i've seen it like five times now because wow. i like that song <laughs> Cool. You know what? Uh, you're you're right to a degree. You can jump into any episode and pretty much roll with it like straight across. There are a lot of interweaving minor yes. stories yes, that you'll are. need to at least know some basics. But that's the thing that's great about Miami Vice is literally it's like watching four music videos at one point because <laughs> you're going to have all of the top hits from that time. Not like, oh, yeah, top 40. Yeah, you will. But you're going to have a lot of quintessential music that defined an era. And that's one of the hardest parts about that show in later years being on DVD and Blu-ray because the licensing was so expensive. Uh, Yeah. And it it, makes sense now. I I actually saw it on Netflix, but it was taken off Netflix five years ago. That's when I first Uh, really got it. Catch it it soon enough. I must have missed it. And you know, and that was the thing is it was always to me before I watched it was like, Oh haha, you know, Miami Vice, everybody wears a white suit. Haha. It was like a cliche show. Exactly. Look at that lost period of time when men were wearing hot pink and white blazers and, you know, lifting up their blazer sleeves and shit exactly and you didn't as somebody who didn't grow up in that time as you know somebody uh, old enough to cognitively appreciate it you don't understand it but then the first actually so the first episode i ever saw was episode one in season three which has willie nelson in it and it's 
actually like a fucking it's not a deep episode but it's a hard-hitting catches you and you just go i i watched it because i was doing overtime at work and we would keep this television on just like this background yeah and i fucked off for an hour and watched the tv and got paid for it <laughs> it was i got sucked into it and i had to go home and watch it on netflix right afterwards oh man like yep. it, it definitely did so it, it caught me because i actually read that i think they were paying up upwards to ten thousand dollars an episode for all these licenses because they were wanting to use these pop stars these pop because you were just always hearing generic ass bullshit music for most of these shows back in the day this was the, one of the first shows that was using music that was on the radio at the time so people are like holy shit like there's like the latest hit that i just heard on the radio and it's yeah. on this show miami vice and and obviously this show doesn't skip the beat they have um george thorgood and the destroyers uh bad to the bone right off the fucking bat like yeah <laughs> boom for most of the episode too just, yeah dude yeah going going and it's true yeah their their budget per each episode was about a million dollars per episode which was funny because that wasn't even the yearly budget for the actual miami vice uh, police department was a million dollars a year <laughs> and yet each episode was a million dollar but and they're doing like 20 episodes a, a year man you know? dude you gotta love it mm-hmm. you know it 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 when you really want to tell a story and you want you want to have two incredibly uh, just sexually vibrant men as the leads, <laughs> you're going to have to pay for it, you know? Oh, and yeah. I thought – I actually – I was excited to go back and watch the, uh, the first season and watch the first few episodes because I was so curious how Tubbs came in because I always thought he kind of uh, – just from whenever I would see clips or shit like that, mm-hmm. I always be like, oh, he doesn't – seem like he's from miami you know and that's when i when i first watched the first season i was like okay so he was like a new york beat cop and and a detective and and then worked his way over to miami and and even sunny doesn't seem much like a miami guy but i think he does a pretty decent job they give him like an alligator right away to be like yeah "Yeah, he's like a real (laughs) but isn't it funny too when you first when you watch it you know everybody knows oh don johnson that's the star but the first episode is centered around tubs He's, for all intents and purposes, the main the main star. Yeah, because the story begins with him. That's true. You know. Yeah, it's true. But. He's sort of the catalyst because I yep. think Sonny was probably um, he loses his partner in the beginning of that season, and uh, yep. that kind of opens the door. Um, it, it was a really awesome, smart, genius way to kind of bring them together. And a way that worked, uh, I like that they just kind of both deck each other in that first episode, and they're like, <laughs> you know what, you're pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, you know who his partner is, right? Ooh. Jimmy Smith. That's right. That was Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith for like two minutes. You know, he he basically is a young Jimmy yeah, Smith. A young Jimmy Smith, and back then he was just getting killed in everything he was in. <laughs> yes, and that is, I think that has been one of the most fun things about catching up with miami vice and what i can't wait for as i'm going through all the seasons mm-hmm. is the fact they have so many actors that were just barely getting their foot in the door and kind of getting some miles on them and that a lot of them became really big names and oh, yeah. it's so fun to see them all young doing their thing kind of shake you know sh- learning this just learning the ropes you know it's, oh yeah it's amazing oh, yeah. we did uh we did a mini bin episode uh two weeks ago uh the episode was from 1988 88 80 yeah 88 it was towards the last season and uh it had a very very young chris rock in it 
Oh, shit. Yeah, this was like his first, this was pre-Saturday Night Live, because I think he got hired in Saturday Night Live in like 1989. So this was like pre-Saturday Night Live. Uh, His teeth are like fucked up. Like you kind of are like, who is this guy? And then you're looking at him and then you're like, that's Chris Rock. Yeah. And same thing, (laughs) episode after that, uh, Ben Stiller is in it and he's like 25, 24 years old. Same thing. Fucked up teeth. He's got yeah. like a he's got like a mullet jerry curl going on. You're like, who the fuck is this guy? Hey, you know? dental work's expensive. Like I, I just uh covered trading trading places. Um I'm not sure when that's coming out, but that is a movie that is coming up on the podcastio. And Eddie Murphy, you're he has like these tiny little chiclet teeth back then, and I'm like, mm-hmm. Oh, he definitely got those fully redone at some oh, point. Yeah. Now he's just got a big old smile, but back hey, then he had these little tiny teeth. Oh yeah, yeah, you do. I think that's actually uh just from what I've heard and hearing other podcasts and people that you know are actors or musicians or comedians those like some of the first things you do is your dental shit and your eye shit like get your eyes lasered out you know uh, fixed mm-hmm. uh, so you don't have to wear glasses or anything like that you don't have to worry about contacts and get your teeth done yep um that's usually the some of the first uh things that they get done and they're also kind of expensive so you can't get them done until you're making some money but uh i <laughs> this episode dude oh, yeah. i just love the fact that it's basically it's 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 uh this writer uh the guy that wrote this episode i'm I'm trying to remember his name chuck adamson i don't know if he's ever actually met any hardcore rowdy hoodlum guys before in his life because these guys that are supposed to be quote-unquote punks are all like they all look like they're from different groups like you got your you got your latino guy who by the way should have just been played by bob from la bamba i think he would have done much better Uh, then you got the two white guys and one is kind of like a punker, you know, kind of regular punk rock guy. And then the other guy looks like he listens to the cure or something. I don't even know. Like he just, he's wearing the hat and, um, so you have these three totally different guys. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and that's the thing is I don't think, cause I was looking, I was doing some research on the writer and, uh, he worked from like the mid sixties all the way up to like 1991, but he only did like six things. Wow. And one of them was Wild Wild West. So I really don't think he was big in the punk scene. (laughs) It shows because these guys are so like what you've seen on music videos or something. And they're so over the top. There's like a part so that the the episode opens up and you see them driving and they're making noise. You got Bad to the Bone playing, which is the most cliche song to pretend that you're actually a hardcore person. But that was a hot song back then. It was. It makes, it translates then. But it would have been fun if they played like Blitzkrieg Bop or some other cliche punk song that was big at the time. But I get it. You want to, yeah. hey, this is a big mainstream audience. People, everyone's going to know Bad of the Bone. You might as well put it on. Although, I Drink Alone is my favorite song from that from that dude, George Thorogood. Yeah. That because is I do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I was drinking before you got here. <laughs> yeah, with nobody else. So, um, <laughs> one of the funniest shits, though, was that they're driving, and the driver puts the effort forward to bring his foot all the way above the windshield i would have shit my pants i don't i would or pulled mm-hmm. the muscle i'm like is it worth it to do that uh, you know what i just i think it just really displays how reckless and how crazy they are <laughs> and i mean they i mean these dudes you i mean oh it's funny because um the the main guy who's got a shotgun you actually he comes not as the same character but as an actor returns to miami vice a couple seasons later um michael mann tended to use a lot of the same actors Uh, yes a lot of his stuff and he plays like the polar opposite of what 
he is here, but the intensity is still there. He is just this intense yeah. acting is life kind of guy, and you and you just see how well of an how great of an actor he is. And it's a shame he actually died at the age of like twenty eight. Like his heart fucking exploded. Well, I was gonna tell you he is basically cocaine personified in this exactly. Episode. Yeah. And I'm not saying he was on anything. If that's uh, why he had heart issues, he could have been uh, born with it. I, I'm willing to bet he is. I, I think I believe I read that he did have some drug abuse problems. Because this guy is on a level mm-hmm. that I have met. I've had friends. I've known people, you know, being in the music back in the day. I've, I've definitely had friends that are on this level. And yes, they are definitely on something. Like, <laughs> this is just part of the life. And um, he's always he holds on to that little shotgun like it's his baby. Like he keeps yeah. it with him everywhere. People seem to not notice it. Like there's a part where they're in the restaurant and he has it out in the open. I'm like, dude, how does no one see this fucking shit? I'm like, yeah. wow. Yeah, and and then you see it too on the beach and in the restaurant. Uh, they just but my Miami. You also got to remember too in the mid '80s people brandishing firearms out in the open was not unheard of and was almost the norm exactly that's true and then we have the other side of this episode so you have the punks that are they're basically just they're being chaotic which makes it very difficult for cops to catch because you don't have a pattern you're just going around fucking shit up and stealing cars and stealing money and they actually end up stealing money from a pretty major uh uh, drug drug dealer boss basic you know uh drug pusher um who has quite a reputation and they end up stealing money from this guy. So that's kind of how the, the show kind of goes off of that. But then the other side of this show is Sonny's getting whipped and it's fucking up his job. You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> fucking up his life. It's fucking up his life. It, Sonny has met a half woman, half pigeon lady. <laughs> and uh, he's for some reason, he, I, I never, I, the second I saw her, I was like, come on, Sonny. Come on, bro. Yeah, I'm nothing against this woman. I'm not trying to say that she's unattractive. She's a pretty woman. But this is Don Johnson we're talking about. And we're in Miami. He couldn't find something. with. There's a part, y'all, where they're in a pool ass with their asses out. And Don Johnson's ass looks better than hers. Like, come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, he's in he's, a black Speedo, by the way. You know, he's got the cake. Dude, Don Johnson's got the. You know what it is? He's done real work. He grew up yeah. in Kansas or some shit out on a fucking farm. He's lifted shit. He's worked those buttocks, dude. He's lifted that shit. And this chick has Hollywood ass. <laughs> you know, it's just she, there. Just, yeah, yeah, eighties ass. It's just yeah. not there. It's not her, happening. And her name's Brenda, which is like the most fucking generic shit name. But it was probably pretty popular back then. Um, and yeah. she's like, she's bringing off some mad. You know. I don't know about you, Charlie. Have you... Here's what I'm going to tell you. Here's what I'm going to tell you. So, as most of y'all know, I got divorced in my you know early 30s or somewhere around there. Kind of getting to my mid-30s. And I started dating in my 30s. And I'm figuring that Sonny is kind of around there. Like, he kind of looks like he's supposed to be in his 30s. He's Yeah, he, we're actually, yeah, we're pretty close to where he is. Uh, his character is supposed to be like 35 uh, to yeah. 37. So we're about... In right on it. Area. I am. I'm at least yeah. right on it. Yeah. And Don was closer to... Yeah, Don was actually like 37 here or so. Closer to 40. But yeah, but... He's playing a little ballpark. bit younger. Yeah. And uh, I will tell y'all, when you start dating at that age, 
when you're in your 30s, the women that you meet that are also in your same age group, they are not fucking around. They are trying to fill in blanks, at least from my experience, y'all. I'm not trying to say this is what every woman's trying to do out there. But from my experience, when I would be on that first date with them through Bumble or whatever, however I would meet them, I could could literally see their itinerary just by them speaking to me and them filling out blanks. And that's what she's doing to Sonny here. She's trying to shape him up so that way it works for her agenda of her life. And unfortunately... Sonny's a street cop. This guy is trying to get his shit done. You know, he's he's got a tough job. He can't use a lot of distractions. She's got a, like what is she like an architect or some shit? She's got money, that's for sure. Yeah, she's a she's an architect, so she is you know she's sophisticated. You know, he's yeah. uh, what is it? He, he, what what do they say? Uh, he's meat and potatoes, and she's champagne and caviar. He, yeah, he lives on a fucking boat <laughs> with an alligator. <laughs> Well, I mean, but when you get right down to it, that's his cover. That's his persona. But yeah. Crockett, Sonny Crockett, I mean, he's the all-American guy, you know, football star, war hero, undercover cop. But when you get right down to it, he is a meat and potatoes kind of guy. It doesn't mean he can't appreciate a beautiful woman or a sophisticated woman, but those are two opposites that just, they're not going to attract. Yeah. They're not going to work. And I, he even has that line when, in the very, when we first see Tubbs and... And we first see Tubbs and Crockett, and they're in the car. And Tubbs kind of mentions, like, hey, man, this this uh, girl's been, you know, she's been around for a while. He, he says something like they've been spending about two weeks together going on all these extravagant dates. They even went to the symphony, which is kind of something that he would have never thought Crockett would ever want to go to. And then he goes, uh, so is this like... Um, I can't remember what he what what he says. I just know that Crockett says something like, "Well, this is more of a LWP lust with potential." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so he was definitely going at it in that sense of like, "Well, we're definitely attracted to each other. We're having a good time, and there might be something else there because he's obviously spending a lot of time with her." But oh, yeah. I, you know, I think he knows this is this is not. This is a big decision for him. Oh yeah, and it's funny too because as the series progresses, that's a that's a thing that they play up a lot. Is part of their job is they are you know these single guys who are supposed to have this persona of you know we're surrounded by beautiful women, we run a lot of drugs, or we have connections in the drug world. As uh, as uh, Burnett and Cooper, their alter egos, and there is one episode later on where. They're watching this woman out by a pool. It's like the hottest day of the year, you know, and she's mixing water with ice and she's putting it on her shirt. And Crockett says that he has a sudden uh, urge for monogamy. And (laughs) Tubbs goes, yeah, well, I got a cure for that, you know. (laughs) But it's just that's the thing that these two guys, they're just they're having fun being, you know, guys in their mid to late 30s, just enjoying life. And I will say it is it's difficult even when you're not even when you're not being if you're not a cop or you're a detective or whatever it's difficult having somebody a significant other um doing a lot of other things like being you know being a musician for me it was always a distraction it always i always felt like definitely a percentage of me was that i could have put into music and maybe could have been playing music now but I decided to go into that married life. And I think that is something that the show is trying to explain is it's a big decision and you can't really do both, you know? Yeah. And, and so that, that's one of the things that, 
that comes up for for them too and and we figure that out later how it ends up but what happens is these punks steal money from this this dude i forget his name was it morgan or something like that morgan yeah because he uh he's a bookie and he's got a legitimate business with these uh these food stands these he uses wagons. hot yeah hot dog lunch wagons as a cover-up to um i guess do do the deals and exchange money and shit like that and the the guys actually end up stealing the money from one of those deals and now every the 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 precinct is trying to find out who these guys are they've been stealing cars all over the place um and zito has a lead on them because they were reading archie comics i think and (laughs) (laughs) well the car yeah yeah the car was full of shotgun shells uh, uh paraphernalia and comic books yeah they 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 left behind comic books and and I guess they just just would leave them. They kept leaving them around in stolen vehicles, and so they ended up getting a lead on them. And then this is uh, around this time we we are introduced to an incredibly young, fresh-faced Giancarlo Esposito. Oh man, he's not with us too long though. But (laughs) no, just like Giancarlo in Trading Places with Eddie Murphy, he is there briefly. Giancarlo knows how to get chat like really well <laughs> man this guy just can take a bullet like a son bitch like it's just amazing but yes he's sort of the right hand man of morgan and morgan tells him i don't care who's doing this i don't give a shit we know it's not some big outfit it's not the colombians it's not all these other um big old organizations that might be trying to, to get in on us this is definitely some punks basically and he tells him uh, find these guys and fuck them up so uh so that ensues and then th- we get one of my favorite characters in this episode by the way who is um uh izzy i think yeah izzy moreno izzy moreno i love this dude the famous for jurassic park because he gets eaten in the shitter uh <laughs> oh yeah and he's a he's a michael mann regular he's in a lot of stuff i like this guy a lot he really pushes up the cuban accent and it's fun (laughs) (laughs) he actually he looks like one of my friend's many uncles oh no shit his uncles are chilean he looks just like he could be in that family same accent same fashion sense same you know craftiness leading up to a scam it's yes yeah (laughs) yeah this guy unbuttons his buttons all the way down to where like his nipples line up and he's hairy chested big old thick thick ass glasses like this this motherfucker can see the future um <laughs> wear super like click you know clicky clocky fancy shoes and they he's actually trying to to sell some shoes in the streets mm-hmm. and uh sunny and tubs are always picking up this dude and and basically uh um he's like an informant basically for them right right he's uh, he's one of their uh He's one of their two street informants that they have. Yeah, who's a who is actually a regular character. Yes, he's a very entertaining, um, very sly, very you know. I actually think he's pretty fucking funny. Like every time I ever oh, see yeah. him, he makes me crack up. <laughs> yeah, well, they, and it's funny too because they have they have two street informants. The second one uh, is a character played by uh, a comedian. I think his name is Charlie. Bartlett, I believe, is his name. Something like that. Yes. Yeah, and he's he's the Noog man, Noogie, Noogie, and he's outrageously annoying. Like that guy is fucking annoying, <laughs> and it's funny because he influenced a lot of comedians because he was a comedian at that time. Yes. Uh, but 
he was very annoying and he actually did have a freebasing problem in real life and don johnson wanted like him nowhere near the set he was like if he's gonna be here i will not fucking work here at that time and it got to be where it was kind of like they phased him out in favor of izzy and they kept izzy around because he was funnier less annoying and wasn't freebasing coke everywhere yeah yeah it was uh it's tough, man. Because, I mean, he had no. moments where he was pretty funny, but there's times where I'm like, God dang, dude. Like, what show do you... Do you know what show you're on? Like, just, go, <laughs> just bring it down just a couple times. Do, you know, do you know where you are? <laughs> and uh, so they tell they tell Izzy to go out and figure out who these punks are. And Izzy does. He, he ends up finding them at, some, at a cafe or whatever. He puts his shoe up on the table that they're at. <laughs> and he's like talking to them. He's giving them their his whole spiel on the shoes that he has, which is hilarious, by the way. Like if you actually watch this episode and you see how he describes these shoes, it's like you're buying the finest fucking shoes. Like they were made by God himself or some shit. Mm-hmm. And they just throw like relish or salsa on his fucking shoes. And then the Latino dude brings out the shotgun and he's like, well, you know, I guess I'm going to turn my back and go back to where I came from. And they're like, yeah, you best do that. He goes to the phone and I guess he calls up, he calls up, um, uh, uh, Giancarlo. Yeah. He calls up Giancarlo and, uh, they come out and they're, they're going to throw down. They're like, Hey man, you shot up one of our fucking stands, dude. You stole some, some pretty major money. And, uh, yeah, Latino guy don't give a shit. He just fucking ex- just shoots both dudes. He shoots Giancarlo in the back, just explodes his whole back open. This guy's mm-hmm. on the ground. I think Izzy thinks he got shot, but he just shot ketchup on him. <laughs> yeah, he's freaking out. And they don't care who sees him. He, the guy even pays for his meal after after killing these two guys and looks the woman in the register straight in the eye and says, you've got great cheeseburgers. Keep the change. You don't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, he does not give a fuck. These guys, and that's the whole thing about calling them punks and stuff. They're supposed to be so completely oblivious to what they're doing. They're just doing, like living that street life they're just making the money making their ends when they can make it and just not really giving a fuck about anything else you know they got Mm -hmm. guns so they can get away with it and uh then we see that tubs is noticing that sonny's mind is not in on this case this guy's mind is somewhere else he's obviously being just whipped like a motherfucker and he tells him hey why don't you take a weekend off with the lady and so sonny does uh crockett takes her on the boat they go through you know they're in the ocean and they're talking and this is tell me what, <laughs> tell me if you've ever been in this situation charlie she's every starts, day <laughs> on my private yacht yes she starts asking him about gina like she's like starts asking him about his exes and she's just like hey you know how close are you with gina i'm like how does she even me, know let me tell you some shit here all right i had an ex-girlfriend who was insanely jealous so i've learned not to ever talk about things in my past whether it was you know girls birthday parties i went to when i was seven you know you just you don't bring that shit up uh-huh. yeah that's just ammunition you know there it's it. yeah and, you know but brenda's just unfortunately one of those people because men are just like this too in certain relationships where they get so worried about people at your job that are of the opposite sex you know but also i think we should chalk it up and i don't want to make it like i'm ragging on brenda but she's also you know like you said older she has her priorities her shit straight i think she just is sitting there not wanting to waste her time 
You might be right. Um, and, and if you think about it at that angle, then maybe she's, like I said, with those dates, she's checking off boxes and seeing which how many boxes are checked and which ones aren't. And this one definitely was not checked because um, Sonny just tells her like, because she asks, she asks, uh, asks him something like, "Were y'all ever intimate?" And he's like, "Well, yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she even says, you know, we're, you know, he's like, we're there for each other, and she's like, sexually, and like leans in and squints, and he's just like, well, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, have you seen her? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm I mean, a big on. fan of her. I think she's hot as hell. So, you know, I do like her. She's a great actress. Uh, she gets better as the series goes as a character. Um, yeah, Sandra Santiago. She is fantastic, uh, and it's funny too because. It, when, when they filmed this series, she was like 26 or so here. Oh, wow. Very young to be a believable detective, but, you know, she's very good at her, well, at her job. Well, like, she's playing a hooker for, like, the first... Like, like, whoa. You know, whoa. <laughs> she's... The, her and... and uh, um, uh, What's her... Trudy? Her, yes, Trudy. Her Big and Trudy booty, are... Trudy? Yeah, Big Booty Trudy. They're always, always in street clothes. Like, and I figured that's because they're always undercover trying to... So I've always figured they're playing like they're undercover uh, as hookers. Well, you know, Daniel, I just figured that they're women and they can dress however they want. Whether they're undercover, that's their choice. That's true. Care. You know, I wasn't there in 80-whatever, so, I mean, maybe that was just the... 85? You weren't, 85. You weren't alive in 85? Uh, I mean, I was around, but I was, you know, just <laughs> trying to find... You, you were passing judgment on prostitutes elsewhere. Yeah, I was just getting my butt wiped, pretty much. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm not saying anything's wrong with the hooker look. I'm fine with it. But I just figured that they must be doing that because then eventually we start seeing – because at first it was bothering me. I'm like, every time I see these women, are do they have to be dressed up? Like, can't they just be detectives uh, in the fucking precinct solving crimes on. and shit? How great would it have been if the show opened with Don Johnson and Jimmy Smith as male prostitutes? I would have loved that. It's like, little, yeah, yeah, they're just out yeah. there gigoloing, like just like in little short Don's shorts. Got like a, he's got like a leather harness or something <laughs> on. Hey, they both had the bodies for it. I mean, they would have looked fine. It would, you know what? It would have sucked everybody in. It would have. It would have been like Renegade. It had something for everybody. <laughs> so then, uh, after all that stuff happens, uh, Iz finds the. Uh, so then, Iz found the punks, and then they run into Izzy, and he even tells them, like Iz tells them, "Yo, these guys don't give a shit about anyone. Like they're not scared of anybody. Like." You know, they're not afraid to kill anybody, so y'all need to watch out or whatever. And they're not afraid to die either. Yeah, they're not afraid to die. And um, so then after all that, Tubbs mentions... Oh, so then Tubbs... There's that scene where Tubbs goes over and they sort of just nibble on breakfast. And Sonny Mm -hmm. Sonny goes upstairs to like get ready because they're going to take off after this whole little weekend break that he had. And Tubbs has a pretty hardcore conversation with Brenda. He's like, yeah, yeah, this is a nice place, you know, but this is a fucking fantasy. Because <laughs> <laughs> Tubbs keeps it real, dog. Like, that you is know a what? He's got to. He's got to because even he's, he told Sonny, you know, I don't want to get my butt blown off here. And, you know, Sonny's like, ah, that ain't going to happen. And then 30 seconds later, it almost fucking happens. Yeah, dude. Like, you just know, like he's, that. He's looking out for himself. You can't blame the guy. And Iz does tell the guys that basically these punks are looking up to, to, to hit up one of the hot dog stands again because that was the last time they got a shitload of money. So they're basically starting to set up a plan where they're going to see what's going on with these hot dog stands and they're they're out there doing 
you know, um, what do you call it? like stakeouts, basically. Mm-hmm. So then one of the scenes that really pissed me off was when Brenda and and Crockett are hanging out at her place. And she's like, let's play a let's play a Brenda and Crockett game. Like, let's God, let's play game. a game. And she asked the clingiest ass question. She's like, say, let's say we're married and we're the Crockett's. Where do we live? How many kids do we have? And what year is it? And where do we go on vacation? I'll be like, yo, how long have I known you? Two weeks? Exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I was like, how long have we been dating? Is that part of the game? Two fucking weeks? Dude, I gotta go. I would have fucking smoke bombed and left like i would have just batmaned out of there when he just throws the smoke bomb and then he fucking climbs up the ceiling and then he just takes off and that night batman 1989 i would have done that same shit fuck that dude that is the worst and even he is like fed up with it because she starts sort of poking at him like well who are our friends are they other rich people or are they a bunch of shitty cop people (laughs) 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 and he's like i don't like your game i'm gonna go sleep on the couch but the way we're getting to my favorite part of the show. Hold on. So so then <laughs> <laughs> So then fucking Sonny is he's obviously pissed off at Brenda, so he oversleeps. You know, he probably didn't sleep all night. He was just thinking about, damn, do I need to get out of this fucking rich lady's house and go back to my boat? And he wakes up late and Tubbs is there at the stakeout where he was waiting for, for Crockett and he ends up getting his the shit beat out of him. But the only thing that's kind of shitty about Crockett is then he gets mad at Brenda, like, why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> so I'm like, hey, man, it's your fucking job. Wake yourself up, you stupid son of a bitch. You're 37 years old, man. Come yeah. on. <laughs> wake yourself fucking up. And he's opens. The, he's rushing to get out to the stakeout, but then Tubbs is there all fucked up. And so now Crockett feels like shit. He's like self-realizing. They go out to the station. And Edward James almost is pissed because he already had fucked up earlier in the show where he was supposed to be inside the club and the guys shot up some shit. And even Tubbs tried to back him up. And then, uh, you know, Crockett actually fesses up and is like, yeah, I was making a phone call. I should have been in there. And so Edward James almost already is pissed off. So then now Mm -hmm. he's really pissed because he just got his fucking partner beat up and probably could have gotten him killed. And they make up the plan to start uh, to basically serve, the, like make themselves um, not bait, but they're going to treat one of the hot dog stands as bait and go out there undercover and just kind of play characters out there. But Edward James almost makes uh, just like in the middle, like in front of everybody in the meeting, he's like, "Yeah, um, Tubbs, why don't you why don't you work with Zito and Crockett? I I got paperwork for you to do." It's like, damn, bro. <laughs> and when you're done, go wash my car. <laughs> And by the way, Edward James Elmos has one of the most stone-cold fucking stares I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That in the uh, in the fan circles, that is a very famous stare down. Uh, it's it's just it's it's famous because he gives it to anybody who's just like fails at their duty and is disappointing. And there's a lot of people who get that intense <laughs> stare. You know, it is such it's, a it's great. Oh man, it's like lasers, bro. I would feel he does. He says so much, and I also, by the way, the fact that he completely, um, he like had a strong, hardcore negotiation to be able to have full control over that character. So there's a good chance they would yeah, have never did. written him that way, but he decided yeah. he wanted to be that way. Yeah, he did. Uh, and what's funny too is we look back on him being this character in a cop show in the 1980s, and you got to remember. 
that was a completely different style of cop from what was previously known. He People were lobbying to get him off the show because he was a very unpopular character. We look back and say, fuck, that's a great character. Yeah. But people at home hated Edward James almost. They, they were writing letters weekly. Get him killed off the show. Because he's probably the most genuine. Like, he probably acts the most like an actual lieutenant would act for the mm-hmm. most part. You know, they're they're just roughneck motherfuckers that don't have any time for fucking kidding around. You know, yeah. it's a very serious job. And I, I love what he brings to it, even though he's bringing such a minimalist expression because obviously edward james almost can act big like i've seen this guy act huge and take like just chew scenery but in this show he decided he wanted to bring it down like just fucking and i think because he sees crockett he sees tubs he sees everyone else he's like everyone's being loud and colorful i want to be this like crazy if you know judge dread like character almost you know well that and and you, you do bring up a good point everybody is colorful everybody is like larger than life with their characters you know you have everybody wearing bright designer clothing but edward james almost as lieutenant castillo is literally wearing like a sears suit you know a drip and dry suit with a cheap button up and a clip on tie yeah he's got the men in black costume like that that he just wears a skinny black tie with a you know white button up and a black suit like looks like he's going to a funeral every fucking day and i I don't know if you ever noticed i mean you edward james almost man he's got that you know he's got that chicano style like you know if you ever watch him stand he's got that little hunch he's always got one hand in his pocket yeah you know yeah east la baby yeah he's got it going on yeah dude i love him so much so then we get the scene where after he got scolded, Sonny goes on his boat and he's heading out and we get Red Seven's heartbeat. The reason I ever looked up this fucking episode. I can feel your heartbeat. And uh and, <laughs> and I love this part because it shows this is where you belong. This is where you belong, Crockett. You belong being a lone wolf, just fucking being sad and drinking your booze and going out there and fighting some fucking crime. That is the life you deserve. And then just smashing as many women as you can find on a nightly basis. Exactly, Charlie. So yeah. then they get... <laughs> wait, wait, wasn't that, wasn't that the title of Don's autobiography? <laughs> if it wasn't, it needs to be now. You, you Okay, I recommend this. And anybody listening, I recommend you do this after you listen to this episode. Go watch Don Johnson being interviewed on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, like in 1987, 88. Because he asks him, you know, Johnny asks him, he goes, you know, are, are you, you know, are you romantically involved are you seeing anybody and he he talks about how the tabloids always have him you know he's gonna get married back to melanie griffith again and and all this stuff and he goes no i have a I have friends that I, I, I see, and uh, they keep me company. Unapologetic ladies, man. Right that there. is an amazing, politically correct way to say it. And speaking of that style, Crockett definitely utilizes that exact same style when he breaks up with Brenda by kind of basically telling her, yeah, um, look, you're cool. I think you're a special person. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, I just don't think this is working out. And uh, and Brenda agrees. She, and she, I think Tubbs got in her head because she's like, well, it's been a wonderful fantasy. So, yeah, obviously he was right. And she wants a corporate husband that's going to just have vacations for a long, long time. And this guy's just not going to have that kind of time. So yeah. it's it's it makes sense. But you know what really is the most pimpish shit that Crockett does? 
He's like, here you go. Here are your keys. And she goes, you know what? Keep them. I can always break a window if I need extra keys. It's like, oh, that booty call is on. That's when you know the switch is on. It's like, oh, so, hey, if we're both bored, I can come on by, right? (laughs) You know? Exactly. (laughs) God damn it, Crockett, you son of a bitch. You can see how Gina and I, you know, support each other. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, she could could be part of the cycle. You You know, she's part of the team now. (laughs) (laughs) and not to say women don't have the exact they have their own thing too i'm not saying that men are just doing this we all need to have love in our lives but we don't all have time to dedicate to it so you know you got to kind of cycle through it anyway i love that part i thought that was one of the best breakup scenes i've ever seen in my life and Mm. then uh we're back with the the punk rockers and we're in their shitty apartment and it made me laugh like a son of a bitch because one of the white dudes just starts destroying the stereo and at first i thought maybe he's tired of hearing bad to the bone every time they're around (laughs) (laughs) they're they only had you know they robbed all these fucking places but they didn't buy any new tape they just (laughs) spent it all on comic books damn it i'm sick of this fucking single Come on, man. Can we go to a gas station and get something for fucking 99 cents? Come on, they gotta have some Hall and Oats. Because <laughs> the, sh- the show purposefully makes it their theme song. So every time we see the punks, Bad of the Boat is playing. And I was like, oh, yeah, finally fucking stop this song. I'm sick of it by at this point. <laughs> so then they decide to go back to the bookies. They go to the bookies. We see, uh, we see good old uh, Tubbs is playing sax. I'm not sure if he was really playing sax or not. I believe he was because it looks like he was. Uh, he yeah, he actually did, he did a movie prior to being Tubbs, but I believe it was a piano player. But I believe that he he's I, musically inclined. Very. I actually tried to interview him a couple years ago. You stalker, son of a bitch. No, I spoke to his agent. She was fantastic. She told for me a what? lot of what things. Were you interviewing for for a paper? Well, my uh, so I studied print media and journalism. That's like my, that's like one of my big passions, you know, is print media and, and um, classic, just, classic. Cup. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> but I really, you know, fuck you, kidding, kidding, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, but no, I tried. I, I really wanted to try to interview, you know, Philip Michael Thomas. I came very close. Never was able to set up a time. Damn it. Uh, I know. But you know what? He's super easy to get a hold of. Like, you can go onto his personal website and get in touch with his agent. She's She's been his agent since, like, the 70s. Well, you know, now uh, he's got, like, a fucking white beard working. This guy looks like Zeus or some shit. He looks fucking awesome to me. Yeah. He's I, got, absolutely. Well, shit, he's got, like, 11 kids, too. Uh, yes. I saw. I read that about him as well. Like, this guy's a fucking mm. legend. Like, he, I don't know why. I, I, I You probably know but um i'm just so surprised he wasn't in more stuff because i absolutely love what he does with this show from what i can gather and it's a shame because he is he's a great actor he's genuinely talented uh you know he he acting is his passion he is a fantastic actor uh but best that i can gather was that there was a lot of ego at that time and once Miami Vice ended, a lot of things just dried up. But him and Don stayed good friends because when Don was in Nash Bridges, he guest starred in like three episodes as oh, Don's cool. former partner. Oh, wow. And, that's fun. And what was funny is there's one episode because in Nash Bridges, Cheech Marin is Don Johnson's partner. He meets up with uh, he meets up with Philip Michael Thomas. He's like, oh, yeah, this is my former partner. Then they team up with a local Chinatown San Francisco gangster played by Tommy Chong. 
Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, at the end of the episode, it's funny, too, because they're giving their sappy goodbyes, and Chong looks at, you know, Cheech, and he goes, you'd look better with a mustache, man. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's incredibly true. true. He looks like a fucking weirdo without one. Yeah, he looks like everybody's Tio. Yeah, yeah, but a creepy one. Yeah. Uh, the, the the one that you don't hug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't ever be alone with the. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You've got Edward James Olmos, who's that tough Tio, and then there's the other one where you're like, eh, hey, when he's drinking, just you know, stay distance. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so they they go and they fucking they 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 end up catching these vatos. They they go there. The the gang is there, and man, Tub gets he almost gets shot like uh, if it wasn't for mm. zito that was up in the food truck he just ba- just barely shoots and i couldn't wait yeah. for the latino guy to get shot i fucking hated him from like three seconds in i just can't stand super active loud motherfuckers like that like and i get it, i'm kind of loud but when they're like chaotically loud you I, see yourself in them and you're like i have to I destroy just them want i can them be to the s- only one yeah i need them to stop breathing uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i couldn't wait i was like oh yeah there he goes he's finally dead and so then now uh tubs is getting chased by one of the other white guys that lived the one that was with blonde hair and he's chasing him down in a big old car and, and crockett comes in just in time in his dope ass car and they the the, the the gangster guy ends up crashing he comes out and he tells them like basically crockett tells him like hey man like we don't want anyone to get killed like just put your gun down he's like you only live once <laughs> and yeah. he fucking shoots well, his ass no one lives forever yeah no one lives forever yeah. and then he and gets he's like, shot well, can't argue with that bada bing bada boom man and uh you know tubs comes up and puts his arm over him and sonny says you want to go fishing and tub says I'd rather go trolling, which I guess means something completely different than it means now. Uh, it means Probably. patrolling out in the streets. Maybe trolling for chicks? <laughs> you know, I'd rather be trolling for some hoes. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, episode over. Like, it's a good little, like, you know, because we really hadn't had a major conflict between the partners at this point. They'd been pretty free-flowing and getting to know each other and depending on each other. And we really hadn't had anyone try to kind of get in between that. You know, this was a very yeah. bromance episode, right? Right. And it's going to be a reoccurring theme as the show goes on that they are, you know, as partners, they are like brothers. And there's going to be women that show up and they continue their bond with them. And these guys are just not lucky in love, but they have each other that they can lean on. I enjoyed it, man. Um, oh, yeah. And I will say there were a, a shitload of very memorable characters in this in this show, in this episode. And I would like to do an impression of one of those uh, characters. So uh, this is a segment I'd like to call Quick Impressions. <clears throat> Quick Impressions. Let's get the bookies! The bookies! The bookies! That is the quick impression, uh, you know. As as you that's know, that's the guy that you hate. So you just did an impression of the guy that you hate. Keep your enemies <laughs> close, Charlie. That's why I'm so good close to you. So hey, the that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Daniel, can you get off of my lap, please? 
<laughs> so as you know, Charlie, I rate all these episodes uh, and movies by my favorite mustaches. You got the Full Manchu recommendation. You got the Walrus mustache recommendation. You got the Horseshoe mustache recommendation. I'm not even going to mention the last one because I know you are not going to fucking rate that, and I sure as hell am not either. What would you rate this show? Oh my god, do we even need to ask? We both are full full, full Fu Manchu mustaches. Okay, let's get on to the next episode. Come on. <laughs> let's get to Roadhouse. That, yeah, man. That's like sitting there and be like, what color is the sky today, man? What are we going to do? Well, you know. No. Full Fu Manchu. Go out. Watch Miami Vice. Don't even start on this episode, man. Start on episode one and work your way up and kind of w- stop watching it season four. <laughs> oh, is that, the, is that sort of the Miami Vice person's opinion? Stop t- watching it season four? So the first episode of season four, like like half of season three kind of tapers off into a piece of shit. But season four, the first episode, is fucking good. You're like, damn, this is a good episode. And then it just tapers off in a, why is it the Vice Department's fault that these guys are trying to get bull semen? That's, we don't <laughs> care about that. Why is James Brown an alien from outer space? What? Why is this guy cryogenically frozen? I shit you not. These are real episodes in season four. And Dick Wolf was the executive producer, and he says those are his favorite fucking episodes. Jesus. Well, you know, we might need to dig into those as we uh, travel through this Miami Vice universe, man. Yes, and then it turns into the Philip Michael Thomas show by about season five. Oh, it does. (laughs) Yeah. Don was on a Bigger and Better Things. He was only in each episode for about seven minutes, and Philip Michael Thomas just solves the case, and Don gets the credit. Oh, yeah. Isn't that that how it goes? Even to this day. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> well do you have anything to promote promote man do you have any episodes you're on i know you just did a grind bin podcast episode yeah so last night we just recorded an episode that'll probably be coming out uh in february time uh with grind bin uh it's called demon wind is the movie that's if you haven't seen demon wind it's on tubi it's free watch it i guarantee you the first time you watch it you will be laughing because it is so fucking ridiculous you won't remember anything that happens the second time you watch it it is even more enjoyable because it is more ridiculous and you can just laugh lou diamond phillips right lou diamond phillips is in it for like five seconds (laughs) yes but and then we just did uh i did a mini bin for grind bin also on another miami vice episode and i currently have an episode out with the bloody bits podcast featuring eddie jefferson and some guy i don't even remember he's old i i don't know yeah. what's, what, who's the co-host what's his name i think it's Tom? like tim Jim? tim the hobo from uh, new york some like, Jim, Jimmy, o, yeah, something yeah, like something like that. Um, I think I think they're going to be replacing him soon <laughs> with somebody friendly. No, y'all know and love Tim. He's been on a couple episodes here, and he's. I give him shit. I give Tim shit. He is entertaining. He is hilarious. I just did for their January, which is Japanese horror. We did a, a Kira, the uh, 1988 anime. Oh yeah, dude, I love that fucking movie. Oh, it was great. It's a great episode. It's got it's almost three hours long. Oh my god. So y'all better be ready for that. And if you enjoyed Charlie on this episode, you can also check him out, as we mentioned earlier, the Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man movie. Um, I can't remember which episode that is, but just dig through. I don't have that many episodes. I think we're like at mid thirty, so you can It's only it. a couple episodes ago, but you know what? While you're while you're looking for it, bookmark some episodes with Daniel because he's got some really good episodes between this one and that one. There are some fantastic ones. Thanks, man. Well, thank you for joining yeah. us today, dude. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Let's go. They're streaming a movie, so let's go join. Them. All right. Check y'all later. Bye.
Podmoths. <laughs>